Hey guys, welcome to this special episode of Loose Screws. I'm Ty Warshall, I'm your host. It is December 14th, 2019. Uh, this episode here, we get to sit down with um, Alec Turner, who has been a Frontier uh, feature commander. He has he runs the Buckyball Racing League. He um, is the kind of like the face of the forums, in my opinion, because he has the Alec Turner's Best of the Forums uh, link, uh, where he kind of keeps track of all the best stuff that's going on on the forums. It's really awesome. He's been a friend of the show for quite a while. Me and him have been communicating with email and whatnot, but we've been trying to get this going on for quite a while, um, this interview on for quite a while, but we finally, our schedule's finally aligned to where we could. Um, but anyway, I'm going to let it play, and uh, you guys enjoy us. Um, again, if you have any questions, shoot us a Questions over at Loose Screws Questions at Gmail, uh, Loose Screws ED. Uh, Draven Us was not in this episode. Um, I found out later on that he actually was able, he had some scheduling conflicts and he was able to join late um, in the chat room, but then he got pulled away on something else, which that's real life for you. So, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get him back on for the next one. So, anyway, enjoy uh, the conversation with Alec Turner and uh, see you guys out there embrace the chaos well man um so let me start off by saying um that uh we got a special interview it's just gonna be myself and uh alec turner and the people who don't know who alec turner is you don't get around much in the elite community um (laughs) He is pretty much everywhere. He has the probably the thing the thing I knew you from first was your best of the forum, which yeah I think that's where I started to get known a little bit. That is pretty much my bible. Uh, when I started figuring things out in Elite, um, uh, gosh, I think it was really about well I guess about four years ago. I can't remember exactly when you started yeah. it, but you started it yeah. about three or four years ago, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, I stumbled across it because it, it got sticky really quick. And my first and foremost question is, man, how do you keep up with everything? <laughs> do you know, a lot of that stuff's probably horribly out of date. There's a lot of broken links and stuff on it. But originally, I just, because I was on the forums a lot and I was kind of in the newcomer section a lot, and there was always people, you know, new players who just came in asking help and I just kept recommending the same four, five, six, a dozen links and eventually I thought I should just write all this down somewhere and then I only have to recommend one place rather than ten places. Right. I just recommend my own thread. So yeah, I don't know. And I just it just it's just built up. I can't believe how big that thread is now. It's crazy. You're like you're actually on version two at this point, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We we ran out of space. And um, <laughs> there's like a limit, uh, like a character limit on a post of something like 500,000 characters, and it hit that. <laughs> and it was kind of difficult to, <laughs> it was difficult to shuffle things around. So we just thought we'd start a new one. Yeah, I imagine. How? Um, so you kind of got started there. So you, have you been playing Elite since launch? Yeah, yeah. So basically, just before actually, I guess it's coming up five years. So. Buddy of mine, so so I played original 1984 Elite on the BBC. Oh wow! And a buddy of mine at my work did as well. 
and so he knew I was keen on it. And I'd never heard, I didn't hear of the Kickstarter, I didn't know it was even happening. And then just at work one day, he was like, hey, you know, Elite's coming back. So, um, so yeah, we jumped on sort of mid-November, I guess, so it was about a month before release. Uh, and I've been playing, yeah, ever since. Wow. So, have you kind of done everything in the lead, or, or what's on your elite um, uh, bucket list, so to speak? <laughs> what's on my bucket list? I don't, I don't do enough combat. I don't know if you saw in your Discord, but I just got a Corvette. So, yeah. Um, ages ago, ages ago, I I did the the grind for that. About two years ago, I found a really nice little circuit of things you could do, and uh, and I got the rep, I got the uh, the rank for it. But I didn't really like the big ship, so I didn't bother with it. And then with a the discount just recently, I thought I might as well buy one. I'm right. quite, I'm quite enjoying it, so I might, I might try and get into combat more because I don't <laughs> do that much of that. I tell do, um, I do bounty hunting. I do NPC bounty hunting, but I've never really done a lot of combat. See, that's that sounds a lot like me because, like, I I got into this game for for the exploration, and then at some point I realized, oh wow, combat's kind of cool too, and then. Yeah. Now I'm pretty much this NPC combat guy, and it's hard for me to get yeah. me off of that. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I do a lot of exploration. I got into it for. I just love I love the fact that it's a a one to one scale simulation yeah. of the galaxy. I think I think that really amazed me at the beginning. One of the first things I ever did, actually, was I um you know those um what are they called augmented reality apps you can get on iPads and iPhones. Oh yeah, yeah. And you, so, so I had one where you could point it at the night sky and it would label the stars, right? Right. So really early on, I thought, well, let's test this, this real world, like uh, simulation of our galaxy. So somewhere in the game, in the star info, where it lists all the details about what type of star it is, there's like a, a, a number, I forget what it's called, but it's like a star catalog number. Right, the astronomical, uh, this is the actual action. Like, most stars have like a common name, like Beetlejuice yeah. or something, but there's like an actual uh, astronomical federation or whatever it's called number to it. Yeah, yeah. Particularly for the ones that have been injected rather than the ones that are, you know, um, procedurally generated. Right. And I can't remember what star, you know, I can't remember where I was docked, but I went, I went out into the garden with my iPad and found the star I was docked at in the night sky. And that just kind of blew my mind. And I used to regularly do that. I'd fly around and then go <laughs> go in the garden and see where I was that night. And that just blew my mind completely. See, things like that, like I'm, I'm sitting here right now smiling and you don't know, I'm like, I'm kind of getting like chills on my arm because things like that really get me. And, yeah, you know, like when yeah. I was a kid, uh, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut and stuff. And of course, I'm not smart enough to do all that. But anyway... I, the dream was I wanted to see Earth from orbit. And then the first time I got in VR and got to Earth, it was like a spiritual experience, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. I, um, as, as, as you probably know, I, uh, one of the things I do a lot is buckyball racing. And yes, like sir. One of the early, quite early on, I did the, the Sagittarius A-Star run. Back, back when it was a real slog, I mean, I think it took me... 15 hours to do that run and that was back when you had to like plot you only plot like 950 light years of jump or something yeah it was a hundred was it a hundred or a thousand i can't remember it was yeah it was it was under a thousand so it was a big deal to get there right and um and i tell you what when i finally got there because i 
because I knew that the game was like as accurate as it could be in terms of scale. You know, sometimes you see those things, those scale videos where somebody stands in the middle of a car park with an orange and goes, imagine this is the sun. And then somebody walks to the edge of the car park and holds up a grape and goes, imagine this is the earth. And they, they try and get some sense of scale. Well, nothing compared to kind of literally spending 15 hours flying to Sagittarius A. And when I got there, I was just completely, completely blown away. Not by, not by the game, but by our actual galaxy. I felt like I had this profound sense of the scale of our actual galaxy that I got from the game that was, yeah, just blew my mind. See, I had, a, had another one when I went, I don't know how you want to put it. I went as, I went as far up as I could go. And That's on my bucket list. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I want to do that. It's 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 quite a trip. I I, specific, I was in I was not in VR when I got up there because uh, I was watching Netflix or something, just trying to jump as fast as I could. And when I got up there, I realized, well, I don't really have another place I can go to. And I took the time to actually look down because one of the cool things that this game does is that when you're jumping in between stars, it actually kind of points you in the direction of where you're going. So like, you know, like if you're heading toward the Pleiades Nebula, you can actually see the Pleiades Nebula kind of get, you know, kind of oh, each yeah, yeah, jump, yeah. You'll, you'll get a little get closer to it, you know? Bigger and closer, yeah, it's great. So yeah. if you're going up or down on the galactic plane, you kind of, you stop seeing stars eventually. You just kind of see Me. blackness. And then eventually, yeah, like, I... so I jumped and I, got, I flew down. I was like, holy crap, that's the, that's the galaxy. And it was, it's a trip. It, I immediately hopped yeah. in VR because I had to see it. It's a, it's, there are things in this game. There are things. <laughs> I get a little bit, I did get a little bit bored of exploring. I mean, I wanted to, another trip I haven't done is I wanted to go sort of south on the galaxy map to, right. to the nearest edge. You know, for that thing to look out and see no stars in front, I, I figured that would be kind of amazing. But even that, I and mean, it doesn't look that much on the galaxy map, but even that trip, I've, I've made it, I've, I've set out a couple of times and then got bored and turned around and gone back again. Yeah. Um, for, for me, like, I kind of get bored when, because um, I will set a course and just go there and the in-between I'm bored with, but when I get there, I'm real interested. I scan everything. So I, I try to, I try to set short goals if I'm going to do exploring trips, you know? Yeah. Do you do you when you're exploring when you're out doing these you know long trips? Do you do you do other things? Do you watch Netflix and stuff while you're jumping? Almost always. Do you see? I don't. I I, I kind of I figure if I'm playing this game, I want to be playing this game. And if this game isn't entertaining me, then I'm playing it wrong, and I should do something else in the game. <laughs> see, I yeah. I kind of try. I kind of transitions from what I call from. Um, uh, like maintenance mode to intense mode and like what I mean by maintenance mode is like I'm moving my ship from point A to point B so it's just kind of jump you know kind of mindless flying so to speak yeah. and then yeah. when I get there it's like alright pause the show stop the show whatever the case may be let me get intense now because now I'm doing this you know so yeah I, I guess I've never quite been into that mindless thing I, I like the game to, to you know hold my attention completely you know let me ask you it's one of the reasons yeah yeah go on one uh, one of the things i was wanted to kind of ask you real quick was you just kind of brought it up was 
you know, a lot of the complaints I hear is like, well, it's too much time in between getting from a star to a planet or from a, from a, uh, like an orbit station to the asteroid field. And, and, um, I look at games like star citizen where they've kind of automated that flight time. Like there's not like a realistic feel, the realistic scale like there is with elite. And you pretty much just kind of hop in the ship and point it there. And you, you, you still fly there, but it's, it's less automatic. And I'm curious what your feelings on that were. Well, I, I like the scale, actually. Like, like I said, you know, the, the fact that it took 15 hours to get to Sagittarius A was what made that profound and what gave me a sense of scale, really. And I think, again, I, I like that if you go to Hutton Orbital, it takes an hour and a half. It's it's boring, but it's meant to be, you know. it's it's. I, I sort of disagree with Obsidian Ant on this. Obsidian Ant says that he doesn't really like the travel times and would like to see them speed it up. And he... He often says that he feels you don't need those times to give a sense of scale. I'm not sure I entirely agree. I think I think sometimes it's important that stuff takes a while. Well, you know, I I have to harken back to other MMOs when I think about when they've when they've made changes to their you know perfect example is like when Warcraft put in the ability to fly. You yep. had this really huge sprawling world that was then shrunk down that you could cross it in five minutes. Yep, yep. I, it, I, I played Warcraft, so again, it's another reason I like your show is you occasionally talk a bit of Warcraft. I haven't played <laughs> for years, but I, but I used to play a lot. And, and and that was another game where I remember when I first got into Warcraft, and I suddenly thought, I wonder if I can just walk to the sea. And the fact that you could, if you wanted to, you know, you had to be careful because you'd be attracting all these mobs that are like 30 levels higher than you were. But, but if you wanted to and you were careful, you could just walk to the sea and that kind of blew me away. It's like, oh, wow, I can go anywhere. This is great. See, that's the exact feeling I had. Like, because I started off as this dwarf and I was like, I wonder if I can get to the top of this mountain. And I, sure enough, I was able to run up there. Now there are like 5,000 trolls on the yeah. on the way. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, tangent for a sec. We're going to do Warcraft for a second now, but I think my funniest Warcraft story was, you know, the deep run tram that goes under the ocean between the two yes, sir. continents? Yeah, right. So the first time I took the deep run tram, and I love that you have to wait for it as well. I love that you have to go down the station and wait for the train to come in. And you wait, and then the train comes in and you get on it. And then I was mucking about on the train and I fell off <laughs> and landed on the track. And I kind of thought, and, and this is typical of the way I play Elite, my immediate thought was, well, huh, I wonder if I can walk it. So I walked it, you know, and it took, I don't know, it takes like 20 minutes or something. <laughs> but I walked it, and then the funniest thing was, like, when I was literally halfway and I was under the ocean, you've got those glass walls where you can see out into the ocean. Yeah. And I see, I see this guy coming the other way, and it was another player, and we were, like, waving, and then it was like, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm walking to Stormland or whatever it was, and he was going the other way. Like, <laughs> Why? Well, I fell off the tram and thought I'd walk it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I had a I had a similar one because I had seen a video where there's like a Loch Ness monster that will kind of sw- swim up to the glass every now and then, and I was like, well, I got to see this thing. And uh, even though I'd already seen it in the video, I, I, that's my thing. I'll see something in a video, and I'm like, well, i got to go see it for real, as I haven't actually seen it, which yeah. is a little yeah. crazy. But anyway, um, 
So I, I went over there and I had to see this Loch Ness Monster. And after about five minutes of sitting there waiting in the middle, there, sure enough, there it was. And, <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Yeah, it, you know, in, but you know. Go ahead. There's, there's a lot, I was going to say, that there's, so there's a lot of that in Elite. There's a lot yeah. of little things where you think, I wonder if, I wonder if this would work or, or if you can do this. And with a few exceptions to do with instancing and stuff, most stuff's pretty solid and you can do it, you know, if you want to, I don't know, if you want to ride a geezer in the SRV, yes, it will blow you up into the sky. And if you, if you want to go so fast in an SRV that you bounce into the atmosphere, yeah, that will work. You know, these <laughs> things, these, these things do work if you try them a lot of the time. It's not, it's unlike, you know, I think you mentioned maybe last week's show you were talking about No Man's Sky, which I did try. And that's very gamey, you know, yep. it's not, things don't have weight and momentum and so it's not interesting to experiment with it. But but once you have a simulation, which is what I truly think Elite is, it is a simulation. I wouldn't claim that No Man's Sky is a simulation. No Man's Sky is a game. Elite yep. is a simulation. And then, I, I kind of feel like the best way to put it is No Man's Sky is the arcade version of Elite. Yeah. 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 Um, so let me ask you the, so I, I got a couple of big questions to ask you real quick alright so the 2020 update and me and you we kind of chat a little bit through email mm -hmm. I think yep. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you I'm a little worried about this update yeah, and me too. there's two big reasons one I'm worried because without a doubt well more likely it looks like we're going to get some sort of engine change out um, based yeah, upon that I, David Braben quote. Okay. Well, come on to that. I, I think people are maybe reading a bit too much into that. P possibly. And the second thing is that I've, I'm worried that this game will shift from being a simulation that I enjoy to being something that I don't want. And... To where, it, to where they'll kind of embrace the arcade too much because they're trying to attract more players or something. And I was wanting to know your feelings on that. Okay. I, I, I don't know about the arcade side of it. So what I wanted, what I wanted was atmospheric landings. And I thought there was a very nice, easy step-by-step -step roadmap to that. I didn't, you know, some, sometimes people go, oh, they can't possibly do people and plants and animals. I, I don't want that. I, I wanted them to do maybe just atmospheric but but completely lifeless rocks to start with so weather blue skies you know rain snow stuff like that that'd be awesome and then in another year maybe they do water worlds and then they do gas giants and then maybe they do vegetation you know we don't have to have like city planets straight off but i really wanted that's what i really wanted them to do and then when that leak came out and then it all started to come true, all the stuff in that leak. And the leak basically said they're working on elite feet and not much on atmospheric landings. That, that I was really gutted by that, actually. Um, not because I think it's arcadey. It, it, it's a selfish thing. It's entirely selfish, really. It's just that I don't really see any appeal in any style of first-person shooter. or I, I can't envisage anything I can do getting out of my seat that I'm going to enjoy long term. It's it's not the game I want to play. And that's my problem with it. That's, that's pretty much how I feel about it, too. Because, you know, I, I look at 
Like, well, I have first-person shooters that I play. And yeah, yeah, I do too. Sure, I mean, yeah. And and I play Elite, you know, just like just like we talked about for the for the simulation aspect of it. And you know, when you input when you when you put in uh, first-person shooting as elements, I think you're pulling out some of the uh, for lack of a better term, realism that is already there in the simulation side of the game. And you could argue that they could put in some stuff to make it more like that. But I mean, every, every FPS does a lot of sacrificing of realism for other things. Well, I I tell you the other thing is I I still have a lot of faith in frontier. I'm sure whatever they're doing, I'm sure they will try and do it. Well, I, I think they, they have a certain bar within Elite in terms of that level between arcadiness and simulation, and I think they try and stick to it. Right. So I think whatever they do, they'll try and do it well. And, and the other thing that's interesting is, having said, I, I can't imagine it being interesting to me. People will already, people that know me will already have spotted a hypocrisy here, which is that as, a, as someone who claims to want to play a space game, I, I spend a hell of a lot of time driving an SRV. <laughs> now, I did not expect that from Elite. I did not expect to love that little buggy quite so much. So who knows? They might they might make Elite Peak fantastic. It might feel brilliant. You know, you might be like John Carpenter of Mars bounding over mountains. Or I don't know. It could be really good. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean... Because I, I think about when I when they first announced Horizons and they had that big video of the 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 Cobra landing and then the SRV shooting out of the out of the docking bay and going over that cliff, my yep. first thought was, oh God, I don't want to run around in a in a dune buggy. I don't want that. And yeah. even though I bought it when it released, so I could have the Mark IV, I didn't drive an SRV for quite a while because I did not care. I was more interested in doing other stuff. And when it, when I finally got in one to start driving around, I started like all of a sudden I got like, hey, here's 500 kilometers you just drove around. What? What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's that thing I was saying earlier about it being a simulation, and and what I love about the SRV, which was completely unexpected, is that it's it's a really I can put it into words. It's a really tactile way to experience the the gravity and the weight and the the physics of the planet and it's you know i'm a skier uh, there's nothing i love better than to sit at the top of the mountain until everyone else is gone all the tourists have gone and have that mountain to myself and just decide which way i'm going to go down it oh, and that's wow. what i get that's what i get from driving the srv you've got this whole well i was gonna, i was gonna say you've got this whole planet you've got four like 400 billion planets <laughs> and i can just go driving for hours i just love it yeah. And I didn't expect that. So who knows? Who knows what they might do with Elite Feet? It might it might be really fun. I can't quite see it, but but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I I kind of have been too. I I know I'm, I've been kind of negative about it in the show, but in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking, you know, this is Frontier, and while they do slip and trip sometimes, overall they they're really good. They they they're really good at walking, and when they get to walking really good, they can really run. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I but, think they're still really good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the the thing will be what will be what will really what will really hurt is is if I don't like it. If if even if they've done it well, if I just think this isn't what I want to do in Elite, 
and and even if I can still do all the other things, I would I would always just think, oh man, that was like two years of what is it? They've got a team of a hundred, mm. and we're talking two two years, so we're talking two hundred man years of development down the drain for me in terms of. You know, if, if there's nothing in Elite Fleet that I enjoyed, then then that's how I will view it. I'll think, well, that for me, that's 200 man years of development effort in the bin, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and you know, I, I kind of think about it too when, when you know, just like you said, I kind of feel like the the atmosphere, the transition to atmospheric landings, would be like a natural step for them, like. I, in my mind, I kind of feel like that we should be able to fly into to gas giants and be able to mine gas mine stuff by now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's coming. Maybe that is coming. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's very easy to get your hopes up, so I'm trying not to. But, but yeah. Maybe maybe they'll throw that in as well. I guess we'll just wait and see. I think mining was fantastic. The the the, the update for mining. I think they did a stunning job on that. Yeah. I'm. Uh, when so I think it was Lave was it LaveCon two years ago when they when they were showing that that the little fifteen second video of the asteroid blowing up. Um, I think it was LaveCon. Yeah, maybe it was last year. I mean, because I was one of those those lucky guys that got invited to Frontier, and I yeah. think that was the first time I properly saw it. You know, the whole sequence. And you know that what was great about that visit is is you. They were really excited to show us that. I mean, they were, you could tell they had something they really wanted us to see, and they sat us all down and said, right, we're going to show you this this, this mining stuff now. And, um, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh, Will. Will. Will Flanagan was, I think he was at the, he was filming it or something, and he was making notes. And you could, you could just tell that everyone was watching us. There were even people outside the conference room we were in, like developers kept peeking over because they were like how are they going to react and when that asteroid just cracked and went boom and you know and we all practically burst into applause it was it was such a nice moment for them you, you could tell they were so proud of it yeah I, I gotta tell you i'm pretty pretty jealous that you got to go up there and meet all those guys yeah it was cool that was so out of the blue you know you were saying earlier about how i got started and i was just like making a forum thread and you know just generally being around when I got that call, I couldn't. I thought it was a practical joke. <laughs> I thought somebody was winding me up. I was like, "Oh yeah, very funny." <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, I think it was Ed Lewis, and he was like, "No, man, serious, really." <laughs> well, I, see if I remember, because I remember, because I think you got to go. I think Obsidian, Obsidian Ant got to go. Uh, yeah, so there's a yeah, Colo um, went. She was a new yeah. stream at the time. Um, uh, uh, there's a guy called Stuart GT who kind of does, kind of for Reddit, what I do for the forum. Mm-hmm. So Stuart is is all over Reddit all the time. So he got invited. There was a couple of the mods got invited. I don't know. People from all, I think they just wanted to get people from all different areas of the community. Just for the record, nobody from America got invited. We're just saying. <laughs> uh, no, that's not true. Bognogus. Oh, Bognogus shit. Came. I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> Only one, though. Only one from America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, so the other question I wanted to ask you is is about fleet carriers. What do you think of – what do you What do you think is up mm-hmm. with them pushing them back? 
Okay, so, so so you did mention about a rewrite of the game code. Yep. Um, so the only reason I say that I think people overreacted is there was only one word in that comment from Braven that was interesting. It was the word renew. We're going to renew the code base. Right. Now, you know, that could mean refresh, as in we're going to chuck out some old bits and replace it with some new bits. I, I don't see it as a complete rewrite, and I don't see it as a leak to... I see. I, I read it more as refresh than re, you know, than replace. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, yeah, fleet carriers. So, uh, who was it? Was it you guys? It might have been. It was either Lave Radio or Guard Frequency? Sort of described it best. That you know, it, it's quite an old bit of software now in some ways, and they built layers on top, and they built layers on top. And you can see these little inconsistencies, like how you can't be in the SRV and multi-crew, or you can't multi-crew and then wing up with somebody. And it's like there's these little layers that have fundamental software problems that they're, they're just sort of incompatible. That's kind of how it feels. And I think maybe fleet carriers tried to ran into too many of those problems that it just didn't work and it was flaky and they wanted it to work with multi-crew and wings and it, it just sort of didn't. And I think deep down they knew that what they really needed to do was stop and rewrite some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Good. And yeah, and so I think I, I think eventually when that when that whole petition thing came up, I think they saw that as their aha, here we go. This, we can use this. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll sort of pretend we're going along with that petition and doing what you guys want. But really, I think they wanted to do that for a long time. I think they wanted to stop. I think they wanted to put fleet carriers on hold, rewrite a lot of the core code, and then, and then do it properly. Do you think... So I kind of believe that fleet carriers won't be available until um, whenever we get the big 2020 update. And it'll, yeah, I, it, I, yeah. I, I saw your poll. I was quite surprised by your poll because I didn't. I, th I, I kind of assumed it would just be in the new year. I didn't think we'd be waiting for the big twenty twenty update. Didn't they say? Maybe I maybe I've mis misremembered it. I thought they said that they, you know, this when they delayed them the second time. I thought they said they were only delaying them till the beginning of the new year. I I think the exact phrasing of what they said was it was going to be. Um, uh, second quarter this year, but okay. it was a very general. It, it, they, they weren't they weren't given a hard date to anything. That was the first delay, wasn't it? And then they said we're going to spend six months doing bug fixing. Right. So, right. Mm. so yeah. you you figured I, I January we'll to at least June. So. Yeah, yeah, first, but definitely first half next year. I'd say maybe first quarter. I'd be really surprised if fleet carriers were delayed. Again, that would be such bad press to delay it until, you know, a fourth time. It would be ridiculous. And see, see, I, I just kind of think it's going to be because, you know, as with any sort of DLC that comes out, um, every, there's a group of people who are upset about it because they have to pay more money for stuff. And there's a group of people who are okay with it because they understand not everything's free. And there's always some holdouts. You know, I, I actually know some people who still to this day have yet to buy Horizons. 
I don't quite how you do no understand how you do that when it was like ten bucks just yeah, the other day. <laughs> I know that, that that baffles me. Just I, I, I yeah. I almost wish Frontier would just give it to everyone so they don't have to worry anymore. I think they might. You know, next year I think they might. I think, I think they, they will might do away with. Yeah. I think that um, I, I think it honestly depends how well this arcs change goes. I think I think if they're making enough income off of arcs, I think it'll transition to being. Uh, I, I think this last DLC that they've already said will be a paid DLC. I think that might be their last one for quite a while. Yeah, maybe. So how do you? I'm so I'm curious. How do you feel about fleet carriers? Are you are you excited for them? So I kind of have two mindsets about it. One, I really love the idea of having my own base because that's what we're really talking about it's it's mm -hmm. a base I, so. uh, I really like the idea i like to be able to put all my ships on it and you know i think i've, I've said a few times in the show where i want to i want to put it somewhere in the bubble or somewhere outside of the bubble and then that'll be my home base and then i might explore a little around and every few weeks move it a little bit and so, so let me let me check with you and see if you're similar to me do you th so what i vaguely imagine is that you'll it'll have a shipyard mm -hmm. so that you can bring your fleet with you i mean right. it is called a fleet carrier after all right i think this whole thing of different roles where you can have a you know it can be exploration role or um like trading role i think that will be like station services so i think exploration role it'll have universal card graphics yep if it's a trading role it'll have a commodities market so then that intrigues me. So you move your. Here's a question for you. So you move your um, fleet carrier somewhere, and you've you've given it the commodities role. When you trade with it, which which faction are you affecting? Do you think? Do you think you're act? Do you think they'll make it that you affect any faction at all, or will the money just kind of disappear into a vacuum? I would like to think it would be. Uh, faction based upon um, what you were friendly with and or what system you were in. So let's say, for instance, you're you're friendly with the Hutton or you're friendly with the orbital tr Hutton orbital truckers, and you're yeah. in their system or one of their systems that they control. It affect the yeah. influence effectively effectively goes to them. It, but uh, the, the reason I ask is it's, it it seems sort of potentially catastrophic to the to the, the BGS that you could move your fleet carrier into somebody's system and set up a, a mobile trading base and yep. then suddenly you're kind of flooding their, their little corner of the galaxy with trading that wasn't there the day before. I don't know. Now, I, see, I, I would kind of like that because I think it would make power play a lot more interesting. Uh, yeah, of course, maybe. Or, maybe. or at least the back... And here's the thing. I've been recently educated, but, uh, educated about the BGS... And there's a lot more going on there than what I originally realized. Yeah, that's something else I haven't really dabbled with, and it's 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 amazingly complicated. Actually. It really is. Um, I I had a chat. In fact, I'm probably going to get him on the show pretty soon. Um, one of my listeners, a guy by the name of Hellblaze, he uh, participates with his group's BGS like on a nightly basis, and um, I can't remember the name of his group right now, but. I probably need yeah, to get yeah, him or one of his people on the show to talk about it so we can all kind of get on the same page. But he was he was giving me just like a little 15-minute rundown of things, and I was sitting there scratching my head, going, wow, this is a lot more than I thought it was. 
Yeah, and now and now they're just gonna they keep adding more and more states. Yeah. <laughs> sort of amazes me. They just seem to be making it more and more and more complicated. It it kind of like the what I want from BGS is like a very two-dimensional Sid Meier's uh, civilization thing. You know, where you can manipulate markets and stuff and do all the things. And then when you actually go out and play, you're like a unit in there, in, in the strategy mm. thing. And that's... I would like to actually have a whole BGS interface somehow. Have you ever tried... I mean, this is another little... <laughs> we're talking about sort of bucket lists. It's not a bucket list, but I do have, like, to-do lists. Quite yeah. long to-do lists. They're just little things a lot. And, and one of the little things maybe not so little I have, is just to go to some fairly low population system out of the way that nobody else really cares about and just practice by myself to see if I can affect the local. Have you ever done that? Can you? I assume you can. I would assume that you can. However, the way it was explained to me, it takes, like if you're going to do it through trading, it's going to take thousands or possibly hundreds of thousands of tons. <laughs> Okay, okay. Because I often wonder whether the BGS is only something that's really, you can really affect as a player group. And that as an individual, you're just a drop in the ocean and you're not going to, you know, you can barely see the effect. I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. According to, according to Hellblaze, every little thing counts because it's all one, it's all a bunch of little drops in the, in the bucket okay. to make the ocean. But if you're just going to do it by yourself, it would take a lot of water to keep up with the analogy, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of one of the problems I, I, I have with it, I suppose. And like this update and all these new states is it's all very fascinating, but, but unless you're part of a player group, it, it all ultimately is a bit meaningless to a, the sort of the lone player, I suppose. Well, you know, I, I, for the most part have played alone and have not participated in the BGS because of the fact I look at it like, I'm not, I'm not directly involved with the wing. I'm not. Right. Um, right. And it, and the thing is, there's not there's, there's there's nothing in the visuals of the station or in or really in the activity of the NPCs. It's not like you know when you jump to a system and it says something like, oh this this system's in civil unrest. If if that message hadn't popped up, <laughs> it's not like you'd fly around and go, hmm, this system feels like it's in civil unrest. <laughs> x y and z is going there's nothing there's no indication there's no i don't know it'd be nice if there was if you could get a sense that a system was in boom without being told it was in boom yeah, the, there were fireworks going off or i don't know i don't know what exactly yeah I, i'm kind of right because i've thought about this a little bit like i thought well it kind of stinks to see that this system's in war or whatever and and you get there and the closest thing you have to like a war state is like we well, got all these conflict zones which yeah, are effectively suppose, just little instances things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I suppose war you do see. War, war is not a bad example, quite a good example. Right, you, right. You do get a sense. Of it. But, but there are so many other states where you think oh, there's no indication that this system is in a state of terrorism or <laughs> public holiday or whatever the others are. Well, but, but you think about it, like if, if like they just put in that blight state, so like if we had atmospheric worlds that you could fly down on, you know, you could you could fly over mm. the the agricultural areas and be like, yep, this is definitely blighted because it's all black or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, it's like War of the Worlds or something. Like that, yeah, and the vegetation goes red and you can see it. Yeah, and, and then they can introduce Zarch as a little mini game and 
<laughs> you have to fly over the surface and spray the surface with crop duster. Yeah. Uh, see, then, then we'll have to have a, a crop duster SRV that we can deploy to do the things. And... More SRVs. <laughs> we want more SRVs. And I'd like to engineer SRVs. And, and, yeah. and the other thing I was going to say, going back to different systems, the other thing I'd really like, I'd really like, is, is for anarchies to feel dangerous and for high security systems to feel safe they did an elite they did it like how many years ago is it now 35, 35. <laughs> why can't they make anarchies feel dangerous now i want to be shitting bricks when i'm flying through an anarchy system <laughs> i i'm, I'm kind of right there with you I, I would i would like the the states to feel more and I don't know. I don't. I don't quite know how you do some of them, but I would like. I would like. I would like the states to have more weight in the system. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, yeah. you brought. Let me ask you this real quick. What do you want out of the SRV? That I mean, you mentioned engineering. Do you want? You actually want to build engineer, or do you just want to be able to buy different ones, or both? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, so recently, or when? Actually, I say recently. Back back in March. Uh, I organized the first great planetary expedition, which was a, a complete circumnavigation of the planet. And we had uh, we had nearly 60 people sign up. I think a lot of people, a few chickened out and a few kind of got lost along the way. But we had 25 people that, something like 25, drove all the way around this planet. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it took me two months. A couple of people did it quicker. I think couple of guys might still be going <laughs> i'm not quite sure but um but what was really noticeable was you know we had a big sort of launch event so we, we managed to get a good 20 odd srvs in the instance and we we're all lined up at the start and then the very first thing we were going to do was drive to this mountain and see if we could scale this first mountain and um it really struck me that all the srvs were identical you know people had different paint jobs on but I just thought, ah, oh, if, if somebody had engineered their tires to be a bit bigger and somebody had got a better power distributor so they had more boost and if somebody had done theirs to be more, I don't know, if there was, you know, I just think a bit of variety would have made it interesting. See, I still want an SRV hover bike. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I've heard. I hear people say this. I, I don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't quite get that myself. So, so the physics, the physics of driving a hover bike don't seem as challenging or, or fun to me as as trying to bounce over the landscape on a thing of wheels. I'll give you that. However, it's hard for me to be a Jedi without a speeder. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. But then you're going to want lightsabers. Where does it all end? It, it it ends when I'm the Mandalorian. That's when it ends. <laughs> oh man! Uh, uh, have you got VR? I forget you have, haven't you? Yeah, no, I, I have a Rift S. Okay, cool. Have you have you tried the Vader Immortal um, down uh, games? I think there's three of them now. Uh, I was the first one or the second one. I think I tried. It's they're they're a little short, which like they're tiny, but the little lightsaber dojo is is awesome. It's I, really I cool. <laughs> yeah, you can you can live out your dreams of um, being Luke Skywalker. It's really good. Yeah, but I can't walk around my vet doing that. So ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to do both? I see. Look, if if I'm if I'm gonna ask for things, I'm gonna ask for the biggest thing I can get. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd I'd like to have a speeder. I'd 
I think it'd be really so something else with the 2020 update that it looks like that we're probably going to get is like some sort of ground basis because they yeah I'm excited about that yeah I am yeah. too I I think that's I think that's the thing I'm really more interested more interested in but I would like it to where I, I'm assuming that we'll be able to pick out a plot of land for our, for ourselves yeah I imagine it's just, I I'm what I'm I think I might have mentioned this to you but. Not long after that leak came out, there was also a job advert from Frontier looking for somebody w uh, to, to program the AI for an SRV. So they they clearly were looking to have ground vehicles, you know, crawling around the, those planetary cities and may, maybe even driving out into the wilderness. Right. That's what came to my mind. And I thought, oh, wow, this is exciting. It, it, in the same way that when you're approaching a station in space and there's traffic, there's this ship, there's haulers going one way and there's maybe bounty hunters patrolling around and there's the odd dodgy sort of, you know, wanted pilot. I thought, imagine if the surface was like that. Imagine if there was, if it was busy, there was SRVs coming and there was little trucks heading out into the wilderness, maybe on a sort of 500 kilometer trip to somewhere else. And that would be really interesting. And then if you had a mission where you had to follow somebody or follow some tracks or yeah, I got really excited by the idea of, of the planets being more alive. See, you, 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 I remember you receiving that in the email, and I've been, I've actually been mulling it over in my head, and this is kind of what I come up with, and I haven't talked about it yet, but, yeah. okay. so, so theoretically, we're gonna have these bases, and I would assume that they're gonna make it to where you can buy, or rent, or whatever you want to call it, plots of land on different planets. Okay. And. You know, then you can build your base there because it's not a stretch with all the planets out there and all the all the. I mean, there's there's enough room for everybody for <laughs> yeah, it to all be persistent, a, even you know. You can have a planet each, I think. Right. So, kind of my mind is like, well, as these things get more populated, what will end up happening is like maybe the AI will then build, uh, for lack of a better term, roads in between the bases. Oh, that would be nice. And then so you could set up trade networks and stuff on the on a on a bay on a planet, you know. And yeah, yeah. And I also like some of the ideas that you have in games like Eve, you know, that that you could have little mining rigs and they just steadily churn away in the background earning you money, and maybe you have to fly down and maintain them occasionally, and, and somebody else can come and blow them up if they can find it. Yeah, I mean, I I love that idea. I mean, I think that'd yeah. be really cool. Um, Maybe not so much blowing up my stuff, but <laughs> but uh, you know from, from the from the from the gameplay aspect of I'm gonna go blow up your mining stuff. That's really fun. The flip side of that is that you get you're inevitably gonna end up with someone who's gonna sit there and camp someone, and oh I fixed my mining thing, boom now it's dead again. <laughs> you're gonna have yeah. those guys, you know. Yeah. So so I'm with you. I think base building sounds interesting that has that has potential that has potential that i can see that being interesting and you, you know kind of in my mind you know kind of go with the fleet carrier of the three roles the mercenary combat role and the explorer role and then the uh, uh trader role if they were to kind of keep up with that and, and that transfer over to bases well then you could have like like an exploration base that would, you know, refine materials and yeah. stuff and do research that way. And I then mean, base, base building implies that you can 
you can extend it and add things. Right. And it would be nice if that wasn't just cosmetic, right? If you could add a farm dome on the back of it, or you could add a, I don't know, like a, a sort of commodities market area or a trading area or an outfitting area. Or, so, you, yeah, you, you, you could increase its functionality. That'd be cool. See, the, the, the thought that came to my mind was like with an exploration one, what if they had some sort of super telescope that you could build and then you could look off like 500 light years or something to be able to actually explore that far away and get the exploration data. <laughs> oh, wow. Like a super FSS. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, just, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, you know? And yeah. then, you know, yeah, you, we catch. you could build like trading stuff to where you trade with other bases on planet. Like, like, well, I'm a mineral base and you're a, a animal, animal food base. And then we're trading stuff there. And then, you know, every, every you know four or five days i get a little message that says hey your base is ready to offload the shipment do you want to pay someone to fly it out or do you want to come pick it up and fly it out so you fly over there pick it up and then you take it to a market to sell it or something you know yeah <laughs> it's funny i was just thinking about all this and thinking it, it must be hard working at frontier you know yeah i've met a lot of these guys at lavecon and things and, and they're like you and me they're enthusiastic and that must be awful to have all these ideas and want to just go off and code them but you've got to follow the plan and you've got to, you know, make some money and it must be quite hard to work there and, and have all these lovely ideas and not be allowed to do them. Well, you know, I, I, I work in the IT field and I don't try to pretend mm -hmm. that I, that I uh, understand development, but I do understand like software deployment, you know, and, and like when you're mm -hmm. upgrading a system or like, well, you, you, you upgrade this one system, well, that affects five systems downstream, which then affects five more systems downstream, which then affects a thousand users. And all you're really doing is just changing one icon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's always tip of the iceberg type stuff. And I couldn't imagine being from a game developer point of view where they're like, we want to put in this base building stuff and here's the plan. And then I have this idea to do all these different things that I would think would be really cool, but we only actually have the time to implement three of them. You know, yeah. And here's another thing which I often like to remind myself is is when we when we discuss these things on shows like this, or we're on the forums, or we're you know we're we're having some get together at LaveCon, or we're in the the Twitch chat on a Thursday night live stream. And there's there's you know there's people like you and me and and Ben from Lave Radio. There's these names we recognise: Obsidian Ant and Yamix, and and we kind of we kind of think we have this this broad representative community, right? right? But when you look at those numbers of sales of elite millions, right? So, so when, you know, when we do a buckyball race and we'll be lucky if we get 24 people turned up, there's millions of players out there. And I had this conversation with Ed Lewis at the expo a few years back that actually there are, there's probably more elite dangerous players I've never heard of Late Radio or Ed Lewis than have. So, so, so this little clique of people on the forum and here that, that, that are talking about this, and we think we know what we want, and we think we know what Frontier should do. Frontier have this massively bigger picture. There's people that just go to their local game store, or they go to Steam and they download this game and they play it. They never come on the forums. They never engage with the the communities on the internet, and that that's probably that's probably the game's biggest audience. 
is this silent player base of hundreds of thousands of people that that are not on the forums and are not listening to you and me and you know that's a good point because you know i you know i I got a number of listeners. I know Lave Radio has a number of listeners, and when you get right down to it, I, I think last yeah. time I saw sales numbers, we were like, "What?" Uh, Elite was like, "What?" Four or five million, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, and so you know, Frontier can be courteous to us, but but they they don't owe us anything. They have, they have a much wider player base to 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 consider and to think about. I think. And so to kind of go along with that, my, the thought come across my mind is like, well, because I think, or rather I like to think that I represent and that you represent and other people like us represent, you know, the average player because, you know, we have like yeah, the more maybe. hardcore players who are into this or that or into, you know, uh, CQC or into power play. And, but when you get right down to it, I'm curious, like, what is the average elite player what does that look like? How many hours are they putting in, you know? Oh, you know? Frontier must have these stats. We can speculate all we like, and we can do polls on Reddit or on Facebook. Or, but Frontier must have numbers. They must know what, you know, all those things that are in the codex about your average distance traveled and the number of times you've died and the number of... They must have an exact total average. Fascinating. Well, you know, something, something that I was told recently was... When they're um, when they're making a new ship and they're setting the price of it, there's a bunch of things they factor in, and one of the big things they actually factor in is they look at the average uh, the average number of credits that all the players have. Okay. And you know I'm cruising around with almost three billion credits right now, and I'm thinking to myself, everybody because of void opals and and um, uh, paint out and all this other stuff. Everybody's got to be cruising. I'm, I would originally I thought I'm on the low end of the spectrum. I thought everybody's like 10, 15 billion credits. But no, no I, I, I just hit my first billion and I'm back under it now because I'm having bought the contract. <laughs> but um, I think the average. That's an interesting question. Over the entire player base, what is the average current amount of credits? I would, I, I'd guess way under a billion. I'd guess like. Yeah, 200 million or something. So I can tell you from a person that I cannot name over in Inara mm -hmm. gave me an average for the users that are registered there. And uh, okay. it's, it? it's 240 billion or 240 million. Hey, I was quite close. Then. Exactly. Okay. And that was mind blowing to me. And this, this number was given to me right around the time that the fleet carrier announcement when they were showing them at uh gamescon before they uh pushed them back yeah and that's when that number was given to me and i'm thinking to myself wow that's a that's a lot less than i thought it was that's see, see and that's the thing and, they, and then you have people speculating on the cost of a fleet carrier and you have people like Shan on Lave Radio, who's got—he's never openly declared how much money he's got, but it's clearly an awful lot. And right. you've got, or you know, Obsidian Ant or Yamex, or—and we're all—we're all billionaires or multi-billionaires, and we're all sort of thinking, oh, well, it must be—you know—it's got to be ten percent of that, because. But I think we're all—we're all rich. I think, like I said, Frontier have to think about this wider player base that have two hundred million. It's kind of hard to think that, that you're in the one percent, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, th I think we're probably unusual. 
and that's that's really striking to me because like when when, when I was told that I thought man that and you got to think about it, not everybody who plays this game is on a NAR. I don't know how many users they have, and for that matter, like I, I didn't I wasn't even keeping up with an NARA until recently, and then I found out that I'm, my little Ed. I'm not on it actually. Yeah. I found out recently that my little Ed Discovery was reporting to it, and I didn't even realize. And I'm kind of curious how many people don't even don't even have, like, like they're not even reporting in. So you know, if you're not in it, you got to think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I don't actually. I have very few sort of plugins, so I don't I don't actually contribute to NR or EDDB or anything like that. So I kind of think about other stuff, like other people who are. Well, that, that kind of makes me think, well, maybe other people have billions, or it also makes me think, well, maybe other people don't, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And the same on ranking. Like, have, have you got all three elite ranks? I, I forget where you're at. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I hit triple elite this year, so. Okay, congrats. Yeah. No, see, I only hit the first, I hit expiration uh, just before the summer, and then I hit trade just after the summer, and I'm nowhere near on combat, so. And and that was interesting to me because it felt like that. So basically, it felt like about you needed about four years worth of gameplay to hit those top ranks, which seemed about right to me. And there's people that say, ah, oh, you can do it in a week or you can do it in a month. And yeah, sure, but you're not you're not normal. You know, you're not in the average. Yeah. And it was nice to know that the average. So you know, when I played the original BBC Elite, it it was a hell of a long slog to hit that top rank. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think it's a long slog to hit the ranks in, in Elite Dangerous for, for an average player. I, I, I can tell you it took me about three years, a little over three years to hit um, Exploration Elite. And then yeah. trade went really fast because of uh, Void Opals and whatnot. Yeah, yeah those, the, those sort of the money's gone up so much that trade elites really come way down now. Combat elite. So, how was combat your last one to get? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and the thing is, is that like I wasn't, I wasn't specifically working on combat up until I was about halfway through Deadly, and that's when I thought, okay, I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and that's when I I started doing Thargoids and, you know, six kills, one percent. <laughs> yeah, they're good actually. The Thargoid scouts are great, aren't they? Because they every single one of those counts as an elite ship, so. Yeah. Just pop those little scouts for a few hours. Yeah. For the ranking. It, it worked out really nice too, because I was out there, I was I was farming the the scouts, and then and that's where that's where I dive for the very first time to an interceptor. And that's also where I got my very first interceptor kill, and then um, I hit like 98 percent because I was in a I was in a chieftain. I hit like 98 percent deadly. I'm I'm like all right. I want to do this. I want to get there in my vet. So I got I got the other three ranks. Are the are the other two ranks in my vet? I got to get all three in my vet. So I left there, came back, picked up my vet, and then just start hitting Hazres until I finish it out. Nice. And, it, it, is the vet your favorite ship? Sounds like it probably. Yes, sir. Is. Yes, sir. And, and yeah. I've there was a point where I owned every single ship in the game, um, and not all were A rated, but I have flown every single one of them. <laughs> Did you get the Cobra Mark IV? I, I st actually, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I would not say it's the worst ship in the game. I think the worst ship is still the Asp, uh, the Asp's, uh, Scout. Scout. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's underwhelming, isn't it? 
Which it is a shame. Really, I, I suppose it just doesn't really have a, a role, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were thinking on that. Like, it, it just, it well, feels... Here's the, thing. Here's, a, here's the thing, I'll ask you another question, actually. Is is uh, people, you quite often see people calling for more ships. I think, I think we're around about that time again where people are going, let's have some more ships, let's have some more ships for Christmas or in the new year. But, if, you know, what Frontier have always tried to do is fit those new ships into some sort of scale. They need a place, they need a, you know, a, a role that's different. Right. I think that's really hard to do now. I mean, I'm all for new ships, and I, I like the idea that cosmetically they can look different, like a mamba, you know, looks cool. But I think we're running out of holes to plug with new ships. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and a good example is like, you know, the Crate Mark II that came out not too long ago is basically a python with a fighter bay. Yeah, right. And, and then people are hard on it, you know, if it... Yeah. If it, if it Different, like like you've just said about the Asp Scout, or you know, people are then hard on it. They go, "Oh, what's the point? It's just like a fertilance with a different skin on it." Yeah. And then you think, you know, but I, I I'd like new ships just to look different. See, like lots. That's exactly how I feel because I'm with the mindset. I don't really need it to be different. Uh, you you don't have to give it different hard points or different uh, uh, internals or anything. No. Just just give me a different look, and I'm okay with. Like I'm okay buying. Vet Mark II or whatever, to where everything's the same, it just looks different. You know what? It's like the Mamba feels really different to me from the Fertilance. And and I think it's all in my head and it's all based on the experience. You know, it's it's based on what it looks like from the outside. And I think that kind of affects the way I approach the game. I think, oh, I'm in this big racing ship now. So that, you know, that affects the way I think about it. You know, the, <laughs> so... So, uh, Dravenos, my, my co-host, he's a, uh, he, he's, he was a devout, uh, Mamba pilot for quite a while or when I, when I first met him anyway. Yeah. And, I love it. Actually. And I hate that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the, and there's, I, there's nothing I can say, this is what's wrong with it. That's what's wrong with it. Cause all the things that are wrong with it is all sending this that's wrong with the, the Fertilance is also something that's wrong with, you know, other ships in the game. It's like, it's short here or it's long here and it turns too, it turns too slow here or it's really too fast or it overheats yeah. or whatever the case it's, may be. It's not even a good racing ship. It's so not. I love it. It's not. And, um, man, I, 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 I don't really from, for, for far as new ships go, there's only one hole that I feel like is, is blatant. And that's a, an Alliance large ship. And yeah, good point. Um, yeah. I mean, you can make an argument that the Type 10 is, is, is their large ship, but it's, it's not. Um, because it feels like it feels like something they just kind of tacked together. And I would still like to see some sort of larger. Um, I would like it to be kind of, I don't know, kind of ex, more ex, more touted toward exploration and have. Ideally, I would like it to look like a chieftain, but bigger, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite hard to, to come up with new ships it, that, it, that actually serve a role now. And the thing is, like, you know, what they're trying to come up with is they're trying to come up with, with different boxes, you know? Because, um, you know, all of these ships... When you get right down to it, they have to look 
believable. They have to look like this could actually work or this could, yeah, that, that thruster makes sense there. Or, or well, yeah. I, I, I could see where the, where the gas tanks would go, or I could see where the sensor suite would be or the avionics bay or whatever yeah. the case would be. Well, there's, you that, know? there's that guy, isn't there, in the community? I forget who it is now that's been making all the, the yeah. YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, breaking down the internals and. Yeah, I, I think it's FR. I think his YouTube channel is like FRJ or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's it. And um, man, he that's he, another that's another thing for Elite Fleet, of course, is is like it, if we get to walk around, then the level of detail, you know, from where you're sat in the cockpit, it looks fine, and you've got coffee makers and biscuits and cables and gaffer tape, and that's all fine. But there's nothing at the back of the ship, I don't think. So they've got to flesh all that out if they're going to let people start walking around. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this too. Is like, so, so, if we get, you know, elite feet, space legs, whatever they end up calling it, um, you know, the the, I'm in the mindset that it'll be kind of like uh, getting into your SRV, you kind of stand up and then you teleport in the SRV. I think you'll kind of stand up and they'd be teleported yeah. down to the planet or station or whatever. Yeah, I think so too. I think there'll be a little black fade in, fade out. Yeah. Screen, yeah. So. I, I, I worry about that because if you're going to make it to where I can walk around, I want to be able to walk around my ship. And I kind of, I'm a little worried that, that we won't be able to. Me too. Cause there's so much to do. Yeah. You know, in terms of detail and yeah, a lot to do. Maybe we'll just get EVA. I don't know. Maybe we'll just be able to float around outside and weld stuff and repair stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like I say, I, I keep coming back to this. I, I don't want to slag it off, but I personally can't. I just can't imagine what's going to be good about it. Yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong and I'm kind of like you. I'm going to give. Uh, Frontier a lot of credit because they've worried me in the past and have sh proven me wrong. So uh, mm. people, you know, here's the thing that people say, um, people that sort of defend it say, yeah, but wouldn't it? It'll be so cool to be able to get out and walk around your ship. And I sort of think, well, yeah, for about 20 minutes, <laughs> and then uh, you know, after 20 minutes, they've put 200 man years of development into 20 minutes of now what and it's a bit you know like the hollow me creator when that came out that was that was pretty cool but i've spent maybe an hour and a half in the hollow me creator and got my avatar about right and i'll probably never use it again yeah that's this is exactly how i feel about it i i got I, i'm not sure i even spent an hour with it because I, I rarely spend a lot of time with character creators but I've, i think i've spent more time in the paint store trying to figure out which paint i want you know <laughs> Yeah, and that's something I can't even see. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think bottom line on on the 2020 is I just hope that I really hope they haven't wasted their time. I, I'm I'm sure they don't think they have. I, I, I hope they haven't. One thing I I've I brought this up in the last last episode. One thing I really want them to implement, and I was I was wanting to ask you if you had seen anything like this while you were there. Mm -hmm. Why? So we have all these paints for the outside of the ship that you can only really see when you enter a special camera view. Yeah. Why can we not paint the inside of our cockpits? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've not seen anything about that. Yeah, it's um. Well, 
Did, did you see the uh, the live stream? What's this series called? Discovery Scanner, where they kind of go into detail a bit. I did one on audio recently, and you know the series I mean. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. So I think they did one on designing a ship from like concept to, and it seemed much more complicated than I would have imagined. You know, you've got the outside of a ship, you've got all these different surfaces. Just, just slap some lines and colors on it how hard can it be <laughs> but, but it sounded like it was a lot harder than you'd imagine and so wrapping you know doing the same on the interior that seems even harder doesn't it it, it doesn't it doesn't because my mind goes to well if, if you can if you can paint the metal textures so so you know with a little bit of 3d modeling i've done i know you can assign a material to an individual 3D model, you can say this is metal, this is wood, this is this type of metal and stuff, or this is glass or whatever. I wonder if that's how the model's built, though. So, you know, if you take the Python cockpit and you know there's like those sort of wooden, are they meant to be wooden? Wooden panels kind of in front of you and off to the right. side. Oh, now, I wonder if the, the model, the 3D model, actually has those as blocks of material X. And you could say change material X to be silver, and it would suddenly change the wood for silver. Or, or is the model really just a, a, like a texture that just changes from one color to another, and there isn't really these discrete sections that you could just change it, you know, swap in and out. So, I'm not sure how Elite does it, but I know other games do that because that tells their lighting engine how to light it. Okay. So like okay. if it if it's a metal it's going to have like well like if it's a if it's a chromish type metal it's like okay well this is supposed to be reflective or if this yeah, is okay. you know br and for brushed that to work it has to be a, a different bit of the model it right. Be a, right. Yeah, okay. Now I I don't know how elite cuz there's there's a bunch of different ways to render lighting inside of games there's there's where you assign the material to it and then there's just like the stuff where they can do it kind of post where they can cast uh, textures. They will actually will swap a texture. Um, uh, a good example is like when you like if you take damage. Like if you're playing a, a, a Modern Warfare is good about this. Like if you shoot a wall and it puts a little bullet hole in the wall. Well, what's actually okay. happening is that when it detects the bullet hole impacted, it swapped that part of the texture for the texture of the bullet impact. And it but it does it instantly on the fly to where you can't see it. So okay. kind of using that same trick, you can do things with lighting models to make it look reflective or to make it look uh, uh, like glass or make it look like wood or something. But it's actually all the same material. So maybe maybe we'll see it with base building because, you know, if, if it's a place you can go inside, then you, you'd, you'd want to be able to change the wall, yeah. cover the walls and yeah we'll see yeah cool. um i just realized because i was actually not facing my computer that dravenos is actually in here are you, are you there buddy no okay yeah. <laughs> i was want to see if you had we 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 talked a fair while so i don't know if you want to get on with other things or i'm happy to talk all night <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what i am too but i actually have a date night with a girl tonight so Oh man, you should have said we should we should wrap this up and that's no, no, this this was this was perfect timing, so this worked out perfectly. So, 
Um, man, um, I know you got, I know you do buckyball stuff, man. What is, what is happening over on your, on, uh, what is next for you right now? What's coming okay. up? There's a, there's a new race that started today. Okay. It's a really fun one. It's the first one. It's one of the first ones I ever created. I created, so we take it in turns as there's a bunch of us that organize races. And one of the ones I organized was called Total Recall. Kind of after the film, and I used all the Arnold Schwarzenegger artwork for the for the banners and things for it. But the, the, the basic idea is that you, you have three or four planet bases, and you, you start at a, a station somewhere, and you the clock starts, and you fly down to a planet base, and you get in the SRV, and then you have to drive the SRV uh, a prescribed distance away from the base. So we're going seven and a half kilometers for this one. Then you have to recall your ship, wait for the ship to come down, get under the ship, get in it, fly to the next base, do the same. So do that for three or four different bases, land, drive away, recall the ship. So it's a really good little test because it uses loads of things. It, it needs you to know how to land on a planet quickly. It needs you to be able to drive the SRV fairly well. It's a really good little race, and this is our third one. So it's Total Recall 3, and it runs, it started today, and it runs until next midnight next Sunday. Uh, I think if people go on the forums, um, they can either just find me, Alec Turner, and my signature points at it, or they can probably just search for Total Recall 3. Uh, we also have a Discord server called Buckyball Racing Club 3305, and people can find it in there it's going to be a really fun one and it's a time trial as always so you just you run it whenever you like do it as many times as you like uh, submit your you, you submit a bunch of screenshots as evidence and then a guy called brusky is maintaining a scoreboard for it really good fun oh wow that's oh and incidentally i i will just say so i just did my first run this morning and i <laughs> i did it in the corvette <laughs> which is a terrible rating ship but i kind of i kind of bragged that i would and then race day came and i thought oh, do you know what i said i would so i suppose i should do it <laughs> so it's it's a te it's got terrible jump range and it's it's awful it's an absolute pig to land <laughs> so i'm not going to win but it was funny so yeah I, I've, I've done my first race in a federal corvette <laughs> See that that should be automatic win then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, so. So that's what that that this week. That's really good. That's uh, I'd recommend people give it a shot. That's awesome, man. Um, so you said your your forum signature. That's the best way to find like what like if they can't get in this one, we get in the next one kind of thing. Or is there a website? Actually, or uh, I tell you what, the best thing is probably our website. Uh, let me just get the URL. Sure. Let me get it dead right for you. While he's looking that up, I just want to say, Alec, I really appreciate you joining us and taking the time out to talk with us. And not only that, but like when when I first started this a, a few months ago, um, I mean, you've been nothing but a friend to this show and a friend to me, helpful to me. Um, when That's cool, man. I, I love things like this. And, I, you know, I see it time and time again. I see it with our races, you know, that one of the things – you really need to get the word out there if you if there's something good that, that that's part of the thing behind my forum thread is is people do amazing stuff you know like you guys doing this show or or lay ready or some guy writing a utility like and people you you really have to shout about it because people 
don't always watch you know they don't look at the forum every day or every week so so yeah it was a real pleasure just to shout about it because I, I love podcasts and this is a great one anyway right. I've got that URL yeah so go ahead. If people are interested in buckyball racing they can go to buckyballracing.org.uk so it's B-U-C-K-Y-B-A-L-L racing r-a-c-i-n-g dot org dot uk and everything's there there's a link there to our discord and to the latest race cool um is there anything else you want to talk about man mm. i mean there's probably loads but <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i say i could go on all night but um yeah no be nice to each other enjoy the game yeah. well, let me just say enjoy man Christmas. You have a standing invitation to join us any any time that you have something, anytime you have an announcement with Buckyball or anything, and you just want to hop on our weekly show to say, hey, this is what's going on, or if you want me to uh, just just send me a weekly update or something, I'll be happy to to read it on a weekly basis about Buckyball, man. I have no problem with that, man. So we we used, we managed to get a new racer out about every month or maybe two. So yeah, each time we get a new one coming up, I'll give you a shout and we can. If we can get a plug for it and that always helps always man appreciate people it should get involved in this stuff you know it's 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 fun i know people have their their grinds and they're, they're doing their rank and they're doing the cg and but there's there's always another cg you can always grind for rank you can always do that but but these races they're fun man people need to give them a shot do something different you know um i don't know if i would participate but i could see going to spectate you know <laughs> Uh, like if you were doing yeah. doing one live kind of deal, I would definitely show up to spectate. But I don't know if I. You should, it, you should try one. You know, it doesn't matter if you're fast. It, it, that sounds daft in a race, but you you learn so much about about the game and about the most efficient way to do stuff and and maybe about things you didn't even know you could do. And so it, it, it's it's really interesting to spend three or four days taking a break from what you normally do and just try one. All right, you convinced me. I'll uh, I'll I'll look. I'm a, you know, you, you got me thinking about this Total Recall one, because one's, that one's very interesting to me, so I may have to hit that up. So It's a fun one. Give it a shot. Well, I appreciate you very much, sir. And, um, man, you, you need to, if you ever come to the States or Texas, man, you hit me up, and um, whenever I get my uh, very first invite to uh, LaveCon, I'll, uh, I'll see you there, Bubba. Oh, yeah. If you're at LaveCon, there's, there's a, beer, a beer at the bar for you. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, cool. Again, I appreciate you joining us today, Alec. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Thanks for joining us. Bye.